This is the Unstoppable Authors Podcast with world-building warrior Angeline Trevina, planning and productivity powerhouse Holly Line, and formatting fireball Julia Scott. Every week we bring you discussions on the craft of writing, author life and business, and interviews with some of the industry's most unstoppable authors. A writer's life doesn't have to be solitary. We're here to bust that myth, support you on your journey, and encourage you to be unstoppable. Welcome to episode 191 of the Unstoppable Authors podcast. I'm your host, Holly Line, and today I have a wonderful interview with A.E. Kincaid about her experience going from self-published to working with a small press, and also her work as a messaging specialist and how she uses that to market her books. So it's been a packed couple of weeks since I last gave a personal update. I've been working on Shifters of London and I promise I will announce the title for book one soon, just as soon as I've actually settled on one. It's coming along really well, thanks to the help of a certain AI language model. Now, we are going to do a whole episode on the topic of AI soon, so I won't give too much away just yet, but I want to be open about the fact that I am using it and I think we need to address the stigma around that. It's okay for authors to have different opinions on this, but we shouldn't judge one another for making different choices. There is a lot of hate at the moment online, in groups and on social media about authors who use AI, and I would really like to see that come to an end and for us to take the time to listen to one another's point of view. Needless to say, I am able to be much more efficient and productive now, thanks to Aurora. Uh, That's what... Chat GPT asked me to call her when I suggested she come up with a name and you know what she actually um she kind of flirts with me a bit as well so yeah um but uh, yeah I'm having a fantastic time using AI and uh yeah we will talk about that more in a few weeks So I've also been getting ready for the coaching programme that I'm running this month. So all through June, I'm running a live round of goal setting for writers in which I will guide people through my proven goal setting system to get the rest of 2023 planned out. And I'm really, really looking forward to that. It does kick off today as this episode airs, but you can still sign up this week if you'd like help getting clear on what you want to accomplish before the end of the year. And together we can create a roadmap to get you there. Find out more at writerroadmap.com forward slash goals live. We have no new patrons this week but a huge huge thank you to all of our supporters. We appreciate you so much. Patrons get early access to episodes, exclusive access to our off-air banter and the warm fuzzy feeling of supporting the show. You can do so for just £3 a month at patreon.com forward slash unstoppable authors. Don't forget that if you would like to join in with Sprints and Giggles, an evening on which we do writing sprints, answer questions and generally have a laugh, you can get the link if you're subscribed to our mailing list or are a member of our Facebook group. This month, Sprints and Giggles will be on Wednesday the 28th of June at 8pm UK time, so make sure to check out the show notes at unstoppableauthors.com for the links to join our mailing list, join the group, all of that jazz. 
Now, without further ado, let's get on to the interview with A.E. Kincaid. By day, A.E. Kincaid is the Messaging Director and COO at Creative Studio in Iowa. By night, she writes fantasy adventure stories. She's best known for her Mal and Reg novels of Widdishins, in a, which a snarky demon and an inept human hero are bound together on an ill-conceived quest. Much like the titular characters of that series, Kincaid has a deep appreciation for coffee, which helps her keep up with her charming, active kiddo. Her novels are published through Phantom House Press, her fiction work appears in the Rebel Diaries Anthology and the Exquisite Poison Anthology, and her non-fiction work can be found on websites, commercials and blogs across the country. Hello and welcome to Unstoppable Authors! Thank you so much for having me, I am very excited to be here. Excellent. Would you like to start things off by just introducing yourself and telling me about your writing journey? Yeah, sure. So, um, so A.E. Kincaid, but I, I go by Amy and I am mom to a very entertaining, excited, wonderful kiddo. Um, and as you uh, said in the bio, I work in messaging during the day. So essentially I help companies figure out what words they should be using to speak to their ideal audience mm -hmm. uh, in a way that would resonate with that ideal audience. Uh, relationships, um, more corporate, well, all relationships are kind of, should be symbiotic, right? Mm -hmm. So um, they have to attract the people that they they need and to achieve their goals. And hopefully what they offer is helping those people achieve their goals. So mm -hmm. we find the words that will work for that. And then, uh, and then I also write fantasy novels and the way this has sort of gone is mostly during the day I write, I do my, my day work. And then at night after my kid went to sleep, I would do my fantasy work. I haven't been writing novels for that long. Uh, I've been writing since the fourth grade. I'm sure, you know, mm -hmm. everyone's got that story about, oh, I've been writing forever. Uh, but I really didn't get serious about writing until the end of 2020. Um, mm -hmm. My critique partner is JL Vampa. She writes the Sister Solstice series. And she and I decided, you know what? We're going to hold ourselves accountable. Every Wednesday, we are going to trade words, no matter how bad they are, no matter like how many, how few. <laughs> We're just going to hold ourselves accountable. And that's kind of when it started. And I ended up publishing my first book a year after that. Mm -hmm. That's that's quite impressive, actually, that you only got started writing at that point and were publishing in a year. So, yeah. So, so I, well, thank you. Um, <laughs> it is something that I have. Um, I, I have many abandoned manuscripts. <laughs> <laughs> There have been some of them literally lost along the way, but some of them are just, you know, still, I don't need to look at that anymore, <laughs> but uh, they, they helped get me to this point, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's all the groundwork, isn't it? That unseen stuff before the final finished, you know, first novel. <laughs> <laughs> so who inspires you? Um. So from a writing perspective, I would... I would have to say Terry Pratchett, uh, not only because the genre is that I'm currently writing in um, is the same humorous fantasy adventure, but also because he uh, of his Discworld. So he didn't just create a storyline 
he created a universe in which many stories sit. And that is what I am trying to do with Wittershins. Right now I have, um, I have Mal and Reg, they have their own novels. They'll have a third one in November. And then I've got two novellas that follow uh, two characters named Saffron and Goodfellow, um, who are characters in the Mal and Reg novels, but they have their own set of stories. Um, There has been a lot of talk about, there's a fan favorite character named Gran, Reginald's Gran. Um, and she is going to get her own set of stories. There's another set of stories I want to write. So so he certainly inspires me in those two ways. Mm. But globally, I am inspired by anyone who dreamed of doing a thing and was advised against doing it because someone said like, oh, it's going to be hard or nobody else is doing that. And then they did it anyway, because (laughs) I've been on the receiving end of advice like that. And it can be really hard to keep going when that is what people are telling you. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I love that answer. I think it's that, that sort of determination and I guess rebellion, you know, against the odds when someone says you can't do that. And that voice inside goes, watch me. (laughs) Yes. Just all the stubborn people I'm very inspired by. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, So I I absolutely see Terry Pratchett in in what you write. And um, and obviously he's an inspiration to a lot of people and created wonderful, wonderful books. Um, Is there any other reason that, you know, what anything else that drew you to humorous fantasy adventure? Yeah. So uh, growing up, my brother is six years older than me um, and he was into fantasy. He was very much into the Lord of the Rings. And and so it became a thing that that drew us together. And mm-hmm. fantasy is something that we both have held on to uh, for all of our lives. And so so that was always um, that I, I could I always imagined that would be my genre. The humorous piece uh, came a little bit later. Uh, there are a lot of things I have to work very hard on as, as an author, things that do not come naturally to me. Um, my developmental editor would tell you that she probably writes, set the scene, describe it more, more to me than any other author that she works with. <laughs> I just, I don't know, I'd like dive into the dialogue and forget about that stuff. Um, and my critique partner would tell you that, uh, she's always telling me like string that moment out like actually like it's okay to have emotions (laughs) things that don't come naturally however writing humor is something that I do have to work on but it also comes somewhat naturally to me so Mm. I think that probably had to do a, a little bit with why I ended up going in that direction for these first books because once I started writing what was a short story that started this whole thing it it just kept like it just kept going Mm -hmm. I'm not saying it wasn't hard to write the books it was hard to write the books but but I just I had moments they were characters they spoke to me so it just it became a little bit more fun I guess Mm, yeah humor does not come naturally to me Um, my books are much more on the darker side because humor is just, I mean, it's hard. It's hard to be funny. Yeah, it is. It is. I, this is, oh, this is so embarrassing, but I did not, uh, when I was a kid, I didn't do a lot of talking 
And so I did a lot of observing. And one of the things that I was always trying to learn was what are these people doing that are making other people laugh? Like my dad is hilarious. He is a funny guy. And, um, and like kids in my class, like I was constantly trying to like dissect, okay, why is that funny to them? <laughs> but hopefully all that observation has led to, you know, a yeah. good result. <laughs> yeah. How interesting. Okay. So you have a lot going on, day job, family, and the writing. How do you manage your time effectively to ensure that all of those roles are well taken care of? Mm-hmm. No, I don't do that mm-hmm. um, very well. No, I, so I probably, I, I do it okay. It, it, it's okay. Um, I will say that Mike, like everyone else, I'm sure in a similar situation, um, you know, the job we have to eat. So the job is, uh, is important and parent, obviously there's little more that's important. And my, my kid is going to be six on Saturday. So he's young. Um, and then I've sort of fit in writing around that. Mm-hmm. I did enroll in Caitlin Duncan's chaos to control course. Mm-hmm. And I haven't finished the course yet, but it is aimed directly at people like me, people who are trying to juggle parenthood and, and a writing career and other career and all of those things. Mm-hmm. And she, um, she, I haven't finished it yet, but the things that I have done that she suggested have been pretty helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, but in general, it is getting a little bit easier all the time because every day that my child is growing up, is another day where I am not the center of his universe anymore. And so Mm -hmm. I'm not the constant source of entertainment for him, which is sad in its, its ways, but it also provides some freedom as well. Yeah, absolutely. I had a chat with Caitlin when she was putting that course together and um, it, you know, my kids are older and we have, we have things sussed. I mean, not that there just isn't the occasional spanner in the works, but yeah. Um, the course wasn't for me but um yeah it was it was pretty interesting and I'm, I'm glad that you're getting something out of that because I think yeah m- managing being any kind of creative with parenting and a day job it's a lot and you know any help there is out there is valuable so exactly yeah. and you know I don't I don't know if my ultimate goal is like be a full-time author because I do enjoy the work that I do for my day job as well. Mm. Uh, but but I do still want to make sure that there is room for that because it sort of sets the fire in me, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so you've been in a couple of anthologies as well, uh, The Rebel Diaries and Exquisite Poison. So how did those collaborations come about? So the... Re- the Rebel Diaries one is is funny because um, so I remember Sasha Black uh, putting out a call for submissions for this anthology she was going to publish. And the brief had a few different things, but I remember um, it saying something like the imagine if the villain was the main character. Imagine if the villain won. Like, what would that look like? And those were the kinds of stories she wanted for submissions. And at the time, I had been working on a much darker uh, YA fantasy novel, 
but I had this thought when I, when I saw the, the call for submissions that like, wouldn't it be funny? Like, wouldn't it be cool if that was a funny story? If, if it was like the villain and it was supposed to be, you know, like the villain wins everything, but actually it was hilarious in some way. Hmm. And that's how Mal came to be and Mal and Reg and eventually, so I started writing the submission for that story, for that anthology. And I remember sitting on the couch one night and I turned to my husband, and I said, this is, this is more than just a short story. Uh, this is a whole thing. So that's actually where all of my published work came from was for that one idea. Uh, so, and then I was fortunate to be accepted into the anthology and, um, and that was a really fun experience. And I still am in contact with a lot of the authors from that. And that was really cool. And then Exquisite Poison, I thought about doing something Wittershins related for that too. But the tone of that was, it just seemed to be a little bit different. So I, I ended up reworking a villain origin story for like a different um, series I was thinking about at the time. And it was more in line, I think, with most of the other stories are a little bit darker fantasy kind of things. And that was a really nice experience too, because at the time I, I had been in contact with a group, this like little writers group thing on Instagram, where we would always be, you know, if we were writing, we would let everybody else know, like who else is writing, who else is writing. Mm -hmm. And a bunch of those people have stories and poems and things that are in the anthology too. So that holds a special place in my heart as well. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Those sort of communities, you know, we, there are loads of little pockets of, you know, writers. And when you find one that just really clicks and gets you motivated and gets you producing, oh, it's just the best feeling. It is. <laughs> yeah. So you initially self-published and mm-hmm. um, how did you find that process? Was it fairly straightforward or did you make mistakes along the way? How did it go? So many mistakes. (laughs) Um, And yet, and yet I did feel pretty prepared. I had done a lot of research and I, I don't think I did anything terribly wrong, you know? Mm. Um, And in, (laughs) there are some parts of it that were so easy. I couldn't believe it. Like, when you go onto Amazon and they say, upload your manuscript and you upload your manuscript and they say, put your cover here and, and you upload your cover. And then they say, like, figure out what you want to, you know, charge for this. And then you press those buttons and then you click submit. And then a few days later, like, ta-da, you're a published author. <laughs> <laughs> In some ways I could, I like kind of couldn't believe that. I was like, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> um, but there were other things that are, are significantly more complicated, which you certainly understand. Yeah. Um, lots of management uh, behind the scenes kind of stuff. Uh, something that I ended up having to create was like a like a master list of like, this is the title, this is the subtitle, this is the ISBN, you know, well, the ISBNs, this is um, the short blurb, this is the long blurb, these are the keywords, like, because there was always the same kind of information I kept having to, like, send to here, or, or fill in here, or put here, and uh, so I ended up having to come up with a few systems to make my life a little bit more manageable, and I wasn't just, like, searching for each individual piece of information. Mm, yeah, absolutely. 
So what changed? How did you come to sign with Phantom House? So there are, my favorite thing about self-publishing was the control. <laughs> uh, the the free, so like if I wrote a book tomorrow, I mean, don't write a book and then immediately publish it, of course, but, <laughs> but it could have if I wanted to. Um, I get to pick the cover designer. I get to pick my editor. I get to publish when I want. I get to, pu- if I have five books this year, I've got five books this year. I mean, there are some real advantages to self-publishing that you don't necessarily get with a publisher. Mm-hmm. However, as we've already talked about, I am trying to manage um, parenthood and the full-time job and my writing career. And I I ultimately decided that the best possible thing that I could have was a partner to help me reach more people mm-hmm. and to help me do some of the more complicated backside of the business things. Mm-hmm. Um, to manage that so that I had more time to do the actual writing and to do just normal kinds of connection with people via social media or email or whatever it is. Um, And it was worth it to me to try and find a partner who could help with that um, to give up some of that control potentially. Mm. Yeah. So did you seek them out and go through the submission process? I did. Yeah. yeah. I liked what they had to say. I liked the, um, they, their tagline is for the unseen and in between. And I felt like Mal and Reg do fit into their, their humorous fantasy, which is niche from fantasy, um, like proper. And then also because it's humorous, uh, it sort of straddles the line between like epic adventure and cozy fantasy. Mm. So it is kind of a, in an, an interesting spot that's not like, straight up keyword like obviously Mm. dark fantasy or something like that um so I thought that they would be a good they would understand where this is supposed to sit Mm. and where it doesn't sit and help me along the way yeah and how has your experience been with them so far it has been terrific um sadly for them my books have been a little bit complicated coming back online so they've had to like be in touch with Amazon a bunch and and, like all kinds of sort of weird behind the scenes stuff although as of today as of us talking right now everything is back where it's supposed to be like there you can buy the books again and that's all very exciting but they have been so open to um, answering any questions that I have um, open to suggestions that I, I have discussions about like what would be the best way to release this or to do this or to advertise this. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's been a really nice experience so far. Yeah. Did they um, did they ask to change the covers or make any changes to the books or is everything as you created it? Yeah, everything is as I created it. Um, and I had been... Uh, <laughs> part so my cover designer is going to I had already talked to her about starting the cover for book three um this coming August she's gonna work on it Mm -hmm. and um Phantom House was like yep keep we're keeping the cover she she should do the work like she'll finish out the series so Mm -hmm. I don't know what will happen moving forward exactly with other stories and other universes Mm -hmm. um the contract is for these books and the two novellas at the moment so okay 
Oh, so did you, when it came to signing contracts, did you seek advice when it came to doing that? Was there anything that you wanted to change? Uh, so I I did some research on on contracts. I have a few friends in the uh, in tr- traditional publishing as well, um, and I I was very very lucky that the contract was in English that I understood. Um, I did not go and like have a lawyer look it over or anything like that. It was it was straightforward enough that I I feel like I've had enough experience with contracts of various kinds that I could read through it and understand what was um, being sort of what I was agreeing to. Mm. Uh, So I did not get any professional help, but I did have a few other people read over the contract and make sure that I was really understanding things. And I even clarified with Phantom House Press about a few things. There was nothing within it that I wanted to change, um, but they did tell me there had been a couple of situations where somebody had said like, oh, I could we switch this to this? And they were like, mm-hmm. yeah, or, um, you know, uh, release dates and they, you know, that they were open to suggestions, but it, it was a good contract for me. Mm. Oh, that's good. That's good. So is there anything you see being different about publishing going forward now that you're with a publisher? So, yeah, uh, definitely. I think some things will be um, easier and some things will be more difficult for a control freak like myself, Um, (laughs) especially because, so I work, my day job is in the marketing realm. So I work specifically with messaging. Um, I don't place ads and I don't run ad campaigns for people, but I create them. (laughs) So I know things that work and I know, uh, I know the kinds of planning that needs to go into those things. So, um, you know, sitting on my hands to some extent, my, uh, depending on how it, how it goes moving forward, um, that might be tough for me, but, um, but in lots of ways, uh, you know, so Phantom House Press is going to do my pre-orders for me. Mm-hmm. Um, if there are signed copies, that's something that they're going to run through their website and they'll send me everything that I need to do it. Um, they'll set up the, like wherever my books appear, like they'll do the Ingram um, submission and they'll do it to Amazon and uh, they'll do a lot of that management stuff. And I, I'm very much looking forward to separating the launch of a book from like all the stuff. <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can see the appeal. Yeah. <laughs> it's and you know, um, I am so, I am so glad that I self-published my books. I learned so much about publishing in general um and just grew as a person right I mean that's worth it right there uh I am excited to do this as well yeah I don't know that it means I will never self-publish a book again but at this moment in my life this is absolutely the right decision for me yeah I think it's really valuable to have gone through the self-publishing process so that you know what's involved and it it means you're coming to the publisher more informed because you understand the nuts and bolts of things. So, yeah, I think that's an advantage. So I absolutely love your branding. <laughs> um, on Instagram, you talk about your characters as if they're living beyond the page. And 
it's, it's just you do it so well um was that a conscious marketing decision no it was not initially um what happened was I kept getting messages from people that would like they'd send me a reel and they'd be like oh, I can imagine Mal saying this, or they would send me, you know, like something and, and be like, oh, what, what would Mal have to say about this? Or what would Reg say about this? Or what would Grand do in this situation? Or she would start this company or, um, and they, I started getting this feedback that people were thinking about the characters as if they were really in their lives. And I thought, well, that's fun. Mm. <laughs> um, like, I, I mean, like I, they're in my head all the time too. So, um, so I started just kind of going with it and like, I'll make tweets for holidays, like things that they, you know, would, would tweet out perhaps. And uh, like, I made Valentine's from them, to, you know, people could send to each other. So it's just, uh, it's taken on a life of its own a little bit, but it is certainly, it's, it's fun. And then um, now that they're making good omens too. Uh, so like, David Tennant and Michael Sheen have a very Mal and Ridge type relationship. And I just, I can't unsee it now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I definitely get that. Um, I loved, I think it was your announcement that you were signed with Phantom House and it was like, it's like a little comedy skit and like they were talking to you off camera and it, it was just brilliant. It was so well done. <laughs> they're, uh, they're fun. Yeah. Do you have any like m- like more sort of ideas for developing that in your marketing? Is it going to be more of a thing? Yeah, I I I like it. It's it's fun to sort of dive into any of the characters. You know, um, Mel and Reg obviously have the most to say. They have three novels based on them, but um, but all of the characters have pretty clear voices. Um, so so yeah, I I think. Uh, they will all make their appearances. <laughs> Excellent. Oh, I look forward to it. And it's it's such a good um marketing strategy to sort of create like a story that people can follow as well, isn't it? Like, you know, yeah, storytelling based marketing, which you'd think would come naturally to writers, but it doesn't always. It's um yeah, it's challenging. It's that's <laughs> funny that you bring that up because that's exactly what I was on the Rebel Authors podcast talking about. Uh-huh. Um, is using story to market your stuff but you're right it's not necessarily um not necessarily easier for a writer I think because uh there's like t- there's too many layers right so mm. like there's the story that you're telling and then the story of the people who would be reading the story that you're telling and then <laughs> the story of you having written the story that other people will read so there's <laughs> there's like a lot of layers to it <laughs> yeah definitely and it's just it's a different medium isn't it so we could spin a eight thousand you know eighty thousand word yarn um not necessarily easily but you know we know how to do that after we've done it a few times but then trying to make short you know bite-sized chunks of story with a through line that's a, that's a whole different thing so <laughs> yeah okay so how has your work at the creative agency influenced your writing process and style and maybe your marketing choices as well? Yeah, so uh, definitely it influences my marketing choices because I one of the things I have been able to work on with clients 
and then also with myself is that idea of of what is the story what are the essential elements that people need to know in order to connect with or dismiss because that's just important right yeah <laughs> i don't want somebody who only reads you know historical n- novels to pick up but like i don't want to trick anybody um mm-hmm. so it's just important that the story is is directed at the people who would enjoy something as opposed to not enjoy it at all. Um, So it influences my marketing for sure. And then I think also um, because the work that I do during the day in the marketing world, there's so, I have to produce so much content across all sorts of different topics. So we work with elevator companies and, and builders and, and, and sports, uh, you know, outlets and like, and coffee places, like everything. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so there's a lot of brain switching that goes on, which means I have to be comfortable writing absolute garbage. Um, because I might have just done a deep dive into this like beautiful, like dream home, um, you know, design builder company. And then immediately I have to swap over here to talk about pickleball and it's not going to be good. It's not, but I have to write something. So I think because I am comfortable writing garbage that I know I can turn into something better that helps me as a fiction writer, not be so afraid of the blank page. I just, Mm -hmm. I know if I get the words out, I can edit them. And I have made peace with that, that they may be terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that, yeah, it's a good bit of, um, you know, cross crossover skill, transferable skill. Yeah. So how easy or difficult has it been to create a brand identity? Uh, so it, it actually, it is <laughs> a little bit difficult. A lot bit difficult. It's very difficult because uh, so I actually just wrote a, a blog post about this concept of the curse of knowledge. When you know absolutely everything about yourself, about what you do, about what you write, just absolutely everything, it becomes hard to keep a focus on what everyone else does and does not know already. Like you mm-hmm. making assumptions about what people know. Um and uh, and because of that, it can be tough to craft uh, and also not knowing where you are at the beginning of your journey makes it hard to decide like where you want to be overall. Mm-hmm. So did I want to just be a humorous fantasy adventure writer forever when I started. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> mm-hmm. I know that I don't now. <laughs> but I didn't know that then. I, I For all I knew, I would write one book and that would be it, you know. Mm-hmm. I, so, so that can be be tough too. just really knowing yourself. And then once you know yourself, remembering that not everybody else knows yourself. So those two pieces can be tough to reconcile. Mm. Yeah. So how, how do you? Yeah. So um, a couple of different ways. So I will eventually be um, actually working with the company that I, I work with. Um, They're going to help me develop a brand um, for A.E. Kincaid. Mm-hmm. But the one that I have developed myself, I tried to think about the things I was trying to portray. So I wanted people to immediately be able to recognize that I was a fantasy writer. Um, and I did that in part through color palette. Um, and also my the covers of my books, 
Uh, I don't think you would, um, you wouldn't pick one up and be like, oh, uh, that looks like a great, you know, romance novel or something like that. (laughs) Have a real fantasy feel to them. And by using that and using the map, and now I actually have a little bit of character art too, um, just trying to work it in whenever I can, that sort of just will visually say fantasy. Mm -hmm. And then as far as what I talk about, um, as far as like the brand story essentially is I focus in on who, who should be reading these books, who might enjoy these books. Um, I use comparisons and distinctions, you know, like if you like Terry Pratchett, you might like these books, those kinds of things. Um, I also think about where are those people in their lives? Like why would they pick up a book like mine? Maybe they're going on vacation and they want something short and sweet and super light and, you know, that they can kind of just, just like dive into and it's done and it, it's not like a thousand pages, you know, a thousand pounds in their suitcase or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, maybe they, um, they want to get away from holiday drama and, and that would be a good little side dive while they're on, you know, visiting family or I try to think about them mm-hmm. and build everything around that. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. So does feedback from your readers influence your writing, if at all? Sometimes, actually, sometimes I build it in. So I've actually done two giveaways where one of the prizes is a somebody, a reader gets to name a character in the next book. Mm-hmm. So in that way, very much. <laughs> and, <laughs> uh, and so we we kind of go back and forth about like, who do you want to name? And this is, these are the characters that are coming up that don't have names, but do have sort of personalities. And, um, and then we even talk a little bit more about like, once they have named them, like what maybe additional characteristics I, I hadn't even thought about, but now that they have a name, I'm like, oh, you know what? <laughs> I'm really picturing this person so well now. Um, I certainly take into account beta reader feedback, Mm -hmm. but as far as letting readers um, run the show, I'm so sorry, readers, but I don't do that. Uh, (laughs) There is one uh, point of contention that I know people are going to be disappointed about when the story wraps up, Um, but it's not going to (laughs) happen. It's just, it's not. got me wanting to know maybe tell me when we stop recording um, <laughs> okay so what if anything would you do differently if you were starting from scratch or what advice would you give new authors who are starting out um so I would probably not use a pen name mm. it is it feels very strange to me <laughs> not I'm so glad that I'm, I'm A.E. Kincaid because then I can just be Amy I'm always yeah. Amy no matter what my <laughs> you know, life is. Um, but it, it, particularly in the beginning, it was just, it felt disingenuous. That's not what it is. That's not what it is at all. And I know that intellectually, it mm. just, it feels weird not being me, but um, I am becoming a even Kate. Is that weird? Mm, no, I think that sounds yeah. inevitable. um and as far as advice goes I mean the like I'm sure everyone gives this advice but just to like not not be afraid of writing it down like Mm. don't just think about it write it too Mm. yeah yeah 
Okay. And lastly, how has the small human in your life influenced your stories? Do they provide any unexpected inspiration? Yes, so much. Actually, he's great at naming things. I haven't actually, I'm trying to think, I don't think I've named anything that he has named yet, but I do have a list of things that he has come up with. (laughs) Oh gosh, I've got to use that somewhere. He also, there is a direct quote from him. I think Reg says it in the second book. Um, There's a mountain range in Wintershins called the Stone Rot Mountains. And I was telling him a G-rated version of the story. And he said to me, mommy, what were they called before they were rotting? And I was like, what? Oh, right. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So now now the Stone Rot Mountains, not only does Reg ask that question, but now they have another name. (laughs) Oh, awesome. (laughs) They were before they were the Stone Rot Mountains. Um, So he's definitely always uh, keeps me thinking. And one day... I would love to write a set of stories that kind of revolve around uh, a fictionalized version of him where he runs a magical detective agency with his friends. Um, I don't know if you followed this at all, but last summer we had um, a situation where we ended up with a pit in our front yard Mm. um, that had two storm sewer exits, one of which the town knew about and the other which was much older and a different shape, kind of looked like the entrance to a mine and they didn't know anything about. And I had this idea that like maybe all these magical creatures had emerged from there and and Clark would go round them up with his friends or something. I don't know. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I love it. <laughs> it is amazing the perspective that kids can give, isn't it? And the questions that they'll ask, they'll come out with things that you've just never thought of. And it's like, oh, yeah and almost always they're like so insightful you think oh I didn't even know you gave this you know a second of thought but you've (laughs) obviously thought about this a bunch (laughs) yeah oh fantastic okay so I do have another question coming for you in just a moment but where can our listeners find out more about you and your books Uh, Sure. So I'm most active on Instagram. I'm at a.e.kincaid. My website is aekincaid.com. And I also do, um, I do some book stuff, but also some like author messaging advice kind of stuff on my TikTok, which is at aekstory. Excellent. Okay. So everyone who comes on Unstoppable Authors has to answer a would you rather question. I have a very thematic one for you today Mm. so would you rather have a mischievous talking pet dragon who constantly gets you into awkward situations or be cursed with an unpredictable magic spell that turns you into a different mythical creature every time you sneeze oh my gosh I love this so much hard to choose because, I mean, you could be any kind of mythical creature, potentially, with the sneezing one. Right. And it would only happen when I sneezed. How oh, I'm, mm, I gotta go with dragons. <laughs> I just, I love dragons. I would love, yes. I know. Who wouldn't want a pet dragon, even <laughs> if they get you into trouble all the time? 
so true and like I don't even care if it's like an invisible dragon that only I can see and gets me into trouble <laughs> I'm, I will I'll deal with it for a bit. <laughs> awesome but would you blame like would you blame the dragon even if no one else could see it you'd be like it's, it wasn't my fault it's mm-hmm. yes 100 <laughs> percent. yeah because yeah. men with the straight jackets <laughs> i'm a rule follower <laughs> so um yeah no I, poor dragon but oh but i would i would make it up to them somehow um mm. I don't know, belly rubs or toasted marshmallows or something. <laughs> they could toast the marshmallows for you. Exactly. So there's Perfect. lots of advantages to this dragon as a pet. <laughs> yeah. And I'm imagining it being small, like sitting on the shoulder kind of thing. Yeah. Little dinky Perfect. dragon. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. If it was full size, that might be more difficult. I certainly couldn't blame everything on a full sized dragon if it was invisible like um all the or or maybe i would just seem haunted <laughs> like that too yeah <laughs> don't go to her house <laughs> oh bummer nobody's coming over today <laughs> get more writing done Definitely. exactly <laughs> <laughs> okay thank you very much for joining me on the podcast and best of luck with book three and everything going forward with phantom house thank you so much for having me it was delightful i hope you enjoyed the interview with amy she had so many great tips to share remember that if you want to join us for sprints and giggles just sign up for our newsletter on our website or join our facebook group as that's where we share the link And don't forget to share this podcast online. Tag us on social media. We're on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Just search for Unstoppable Authors. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Unstoppable Authors podcast. We'll be back next week with more of our tenacity and worldly wisdom. Don't forget to visit our website to get the show notes and heaps of helpful blog articles at unstoppableauthors.com. And join our guild of unstoppable authors and you will not only hear from us every week, but you will also get a free digital copy of my book, 30 Days of World Building. If you enjoyed the episode, please remember to subscribe and leave a review.